This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. That's right. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Hey, we want to talk about how to build diverse teams for your content strategy. Now, here's the thing. I enjoy talking to anybody. I enjoy collaborating with anybody, especially when they don't all have the same stupid views that I have and when they don't look like me. Putting aside who the heck wants to look like this anyways, not even I do. Seriously. So you know what? At the end of the day, we want to build diverse teams. We have a return guest. She was on the show, I don't know, a couple years ago, and I keep quoting her. So I thought it's time to check in. What have we seen when it comes to building diverse teams? Uh, What are people doing? How are they implementing things? And, you know, is it getting better, so to speak? Michelle Ngomi, she's uh, an inclusive marketing consultant, and I'm happy to have her back on the show. Welcome, Michelle. Good to see you. Fist bump. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you, watching your success. So it's definitely a pleasure to be here today. Well, thank you very much. So um, back in the day, so to speak, you said, it's just mind blown. Seriously. You said to me, you can have diverse teams everywhere in including in 95% white Iowa. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, because you can just have remote teams. So talk to me about what have we seen change, if anything, when it comes to building diverse teams, especially the last two years, many, many people work, worked remote. Uh, so, so how are things looking? Where are they standing? Yeah, so you know, kudos to everyone, right? We are still in the midst of the pandemic, but on the better side of it, right? And with that, we've had the great resonation, uh, which I say the great resonation has met the gig economy, right? And that is the part-time or full-time contractor because they really value their time. And with that, they want flexibility. Now more than ever, they want remote work. Like two, three years ago, we were trying to convince employers of a four-day work week or, you know, just some kind of flexibility. And now they have no choice but to really sit down and think about it. And some companies are struggling, mainly because of the size of the organization. But I will say a lot of companies are there with um, obviously the remote work, flex schedules, um, contractors, as well as supplier diversity. And I think that's progress in itself. Um, Companies are embracing it because people are demanding it. People are demanding it. You know, people are demanding a lot of things. And it's that has really changed. I mean, honestly, you know, and there's some things that are being demanded. 
I'm not so sure. Um, I, I don't know. We don't have to get pay transparency, but that's an interesting topic too, um, because I'm not like yes, you can bring pay up, but are you going to bring it up at some point for everyone, or do you actually pull it down? I don't know, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, but you know what? I actually do think to truly be creative, we had, I think it was Tom Shapiro, he was on the show, and he talked about create, creativity is a differentiator. And I think the only way to be creative is to have that diversity of thought, right? And the diversity of thought, whether it's gender or race or um, nationality or, or, or even parts of the country, because let's, mm-hmm. let's be honest, uh, people in the, the southern part of the United States, they have sometimes very different feelings than I do in Iowa, you know, and um, so certainly that's helpful. But how how do companies go about building those teams? And especially right now, I see a lot of the pushback to, oh, we're returning to the office. In fact, I was talking to somebody earlier who called me a little late and said, we're, I'm commuting again and commuting is not for the faint of heart. Um so how do we how do we get there? How do we do it? Yes, yeah, so I do have a job board and lots of times I'm reaching out to the employer and I'm like, is this job remote? And they're like, oh, we expect to return to the office. And a lot of companies have been saying that for the past 16, 12 and 18 months, right? But I do tell them in my case uh, with the African-American Marketing Association, if you're looking for black marketers and you're in a rural area, meaning you're not in a major city, Houston, Atlanta, Dallas, New York, D.C., and you don't have a high population of just Black professionals in general, it will be hard to hire diverse candidates. So you really have to check yourself, where are you in this process? You know, are you just trying to be like, okay, I want to throw it out to these niche job boards and I've done my job? But if you're really serious, especially, Especially with marketing, I really think all marketers across the board can work from home. You have to expand that opportunity, expand that opportunity regarding that role to hire remotely um, and really focusing on these niche groups. There's a lot of us out here, as well as um, major cities are cities that have a good size of Black professionals that you can select from. Um, So what does it take? It takes effort. And I also feel like companies have to review their job descriptions. Um, Once again, candidates want transparency right now. They want transparency and details. What is your diversity statement? Is that in the job description? If not, it definitely needs to be on the website. You know, there's a lot of issues going on beyond Black Lives Matter. Where do you stand on these issues? from Asian hate, LGBTQ, Ukraine right now, people want to know. And then also with that, of course, the salary, uh, what is the hiring process? People are really looking at the details of the job description, the makeup of the leadership team, um, the once again, the details on the HR or the career page. They want to know what they're getting themselves into because it's just, it's just been a lot of stuff that has unrevealed or has revealed themselves in the past two years. I think what's interesting about that, the wording too is um, I think some people, 
don't realize how much weight words carry. So, for example, you know, if you say um, this role directs a group of whatever, like that is not collaborative language. I don't care, right? For example. Yes. Yeah. So I have a thing and I call language of inclusion. And lots of times we think about, you know, diversity and inclusion, right? We're thinking about race and gender and uh, pronouns and uh, demographics. But part of that inclusive language is the teamwork. It's the collaboration, right? Um, how are you talking about your company culture, not just in the job description, but also the career page or the company website. And I have to be careful because I do understand there's only so much you can put in a job description. And especially when you're going to different platforms, the, the, the characters and, you know, the details can change from time to time. Right. But if someone's really interested in applying for a job, especially once they get the phone call for their interview, they're definitely going to go to the website and do their research. Mm -hmm. Right. So what information is on there? And how are you showing that collaboration? How are you displaying your company culture on your website? More importantly, I also feel like companies, everyone thinks it's like, okay, they have to go to the website. They have to go to the website. That is a foundational piece, but we have our phones and social media and you have to meet people where they are. So what is your company profile on Instagram on LinkedIn, because I'm pro like, no one knows to go to your website. <laughs> they don't know that until they see the job. And that's probably someone, your employee or someone in the network that posted it on LinkedIn. So they're going to click on LinkedIn and then they're going to go through the rabbit hole and eventually get to your website. So as a company, how can you meet people where you are? So what does your digital footprint look like? You know, what's interesting about that too is we don't need to make things so difficult. I mean, I, you know, I remember, I, I think probably the mobile experience has gotten better to an extent than it was maybe five, eight years ago. But um, why do people need to fill out a form with all the information that's literally in the document you just uploaded? It is beyond me. It is beyond me. And I actually wonder how many good candidates you lose just because of it. So when you talked about where to post, so tell us again, what's the website where, where you have uh, job listings? Yeah, so my website is aa-ma.org backslash marketing-jobs. And that's the job board for the African-American Marketing Association. So any African-American, um, no, this is for job postings, not people looking for jobs. Got it. Um, but but if you're looking, um, you know, for a more diverse pool of talent, that's what you might want to post. And when you said that, the comment that came to my mind, it's like, yes, I love Iowa. I love the space. But if I step outside my house and go, hey, hey, who wants to work with me? Chances are I'm not going to find anyone other than a white person. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just just the, the percentage. Um, so is that basically an answer when people say, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. Diversity. It's important. But nobody ever applies. The only is that part of the problem? We're not going to the right places. So it's definitely a two-way street, maybe more, maybe a couple other lanes in there. Because it is tough. And I think I can recognize that as a leader. And I do have these conversations with my white peers that are inquiring, right? So I know, yes, we have the website, we share on social media platforms, we share in our newsletter, but at the end of the day, I can't make anyone apply for the job, right? Now, I think our group is fairly small to say that if I see something like, hey, Christoph is perfect for this, I will reach out. But even that's challenging and people, companies shouldn't depend on me to do that. So it is difficult. Um, I do think it's a start, but it's not an end-all, be-all solution. You know, whether it's my group or any other Black professional marketing group or any group in general, right? So I do think it's a start. At the same time, I do want to encourage um, individuals as well as employers to kind of speak up and be like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. This is where we're struggling at. Um, and I think people would be willing to hear you out. At the same time, if you do get that interview with a Black candidate, like, hey, we realize X, Y, Z, and we're trying to make changes. Uh, we love what you have to offer. We want to bring you on board. You know, once again, I think that goes back to the level of transparency that needs not only to be on the website written, but also, you know, verbally shared with people. Uh, so I think everyone has a lot to work on. But I also think that's why the gig economy is so important. Because, uh, you know, my last job, I worked at a law firm under a white guy. And I, I actually talked about this in a webinar yesterday in regards to harassment. And like, he yelled at me. Um, I went on vacation for a week, a lot of things slipped through the cracks, because no one covered my workload. And when I came back, I got the blame. And I ended up leaving the job a month within the month, right? So there's microaggressions that a lot of uh, diverse people, you know, Black women, people with disabilities, LGBTQ, they go through in the workplace, some settle, some major. And that's why people are enjoying, like, I can just stay at home and do my work because I, I don't have to go to work deal with this 30, 45 minute commute and the shenanigans in the workplace for six to eight hours. So I think- um, The shenanigans, <laughs> Yeah, the shenanigans. So I, I think employers do have to bend a little bit. Um, and it, it's tough because it's not the CEO, right? It's not the CEO. The CEO has he knows nothing about the shenanigans depending on the size of the company, but it's the- probably the three to five or 10 people that you're working with. It's the one manager, the one or two direct reports that you're dealing with. Well, the CEO might not know, but the CEO does set the culture. How do we behave? How do we talk to each other and, and whatnot? And you know what? I've experienced some of those shenanigans too. And I think part of it is um, it used to be that pressure was used very differently in the workplace. Mm. 
And I think it still is today in some industries and in some jobs, but I, especially in like the creative field, I see it less and less. I mean, for, for companies who want to keep their employees, right? Because um, just doesn't work. You can just leave. And especially in American culture where, where you, somebody can be fired for no reason today and you can leave for no reason today. And so the next person that talks to me about job hoppers Don't talk to some entry-level kid about job hopping if that's the culture that the capitalists created. And I'm not making any comment on capitalism here. No, I mean, that's a good point. Um, I think most people stay at their job for two years. I was doing some research recently, and they said if an organization has a good onboarding process, um, 69% of companies will keep an employee for three years. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. And after that, we have to think about training and development, right? So part of the training is in the beginning, but it also continues during the duration of the person working there. And if there's poor onboarding, poor training, a lack of communication, unclear job description as far as the application, as well as the scope of work now that you're in the company, all of those things lead to a high retention rate, regardless of a diverse candidate or not. Yeah. So you mentioned on your website a few times, on your social profiles a few times, um, talk about, you know, the language you pick. And certainly that's important. Um, I liken it to hotels. Bear with me. Okay. A hotel that doesn't even have good marketing images can't be a good hotel. I mean, if the bed already looks like it's bed bug ridden in the marketing image, it's not going to look any better when I get there, right? So from that perspective, yes, you need to have the right language on your website. You need to at least, lack of a better term, walk the walk. But what about once people get in the door? How do we actually make sure that culture is not just a piece of fiction on the website and it's actually true? And, and, and how do companies make sure that actually exists? Yeah, so before I actually get into that part of the question, I actually want to encourage people, people on the job hunt to really source your questions, know what questions to ask in the interview process in order for you to uncover the company culture, right? So that's another thing, but there has to be some onus for the candidate as well as the company, right? So if you experienced something at your previous job, what did you learn from that? That's gonna allow you to ask better questions as you navigate this interview process. So that's one thing. Um, at the same time, uh, try to reach out to people on LinkedIn, mutual friends, ask for introductions. Um, like, hey, I have an interview with this company in a week. Can I talk to you for 10 to 15 minutes to kind of get a feel for things? Really start to become proactive in your job hunt in order for you to understand what the company culture is. Now, for the organization, I will say, once again, be a remote, particularly a lot of us are Zoomed out. A lot of us are getting on Zoom calls, meeting after meeting. Try to switch it up a little bit. Um, can you create 
a five to 15 minute icebreaker before a meeting? Uh, can we just meet to talk? You know, right? Can we just have a Zoom meeting where maybe we're doing some Zoom or some online games just to build up company morale? You know, I, I think those things are important because, you know, a couple of years ago, we could just go to happy hour, right? <laughs> or there was affinity groups. I know one of my favorite companies I worked for was Investor Investment Services, and we have sports teams. Like we would work for eight hours and then we would go play kickball at the local park. And you can't put a price on those things. And it's hard to do that now, but there are certain things that we can do. It's like, okay, if we can get together once a month and we celebrate all of the March or all of the April birthdays, like everything doesn't have to be a virtual meeting when we get together. Also, how can you invest in your employees? Um, is there some type of um, online coaching program or course that they want to take? Is there a conference they want to go to? I think all of these things matter. And I know we talk about diverse teams, but I think when we get into the granular um, aspects, this is where creating an inclusive environment as well as an equitable environment is important because everyone has different needs. So how are you gonna meet their needs? Um, and you have to have those conversations. Like once again, we're virtual. So what does an open door policy look like? <laughs> right, right. And how do you communicate? And you know what? The other thing that's interesting to me is people communicate differently. And um, you want to be very clear of, of how people communicate. What's their style? And especially on Zoom, you know, it's very different to um, chime in on Zoom because there's a little bit of a delay. Now, the one thing that I wanted to mention, you were talking about ask good questions. I love that comment and want to build on that for a second. So basically, yes, ask good questions, but also read the room, you know, pick up on what people are doing, pick up on what they're saying. I'll give you an example. I did an interview one time and these two dudes were like sitting way at the other end of the room. I don't know why. If it was this year, I may say, are they doing what Putin is doing? You know, the, you've seen those pictures, right? The other person is across the room. And there's no reason to do that because we're on camera, right? And there was... Many, many red flags. And mm -hmm. I actually, it was one of the few times in my life where I said in the interview, I said, I don't think, I want to be very cognizant of everybody's time. I don't think this is going to be a fit. It was not just based on them mm -hmm. sitting on the other side of the room, but overall. And there's some TikTok HR person who said, there's a difference between red flags and opportunities. Don't see, don't think of this red flag as an opportunity that you're not, that you're going to be able to fix. So we do have to keep that in mind as well. Is there anything else that, um, that comes to mind that people can use as they are evaluating companies and are trying to pick up on those signals that, that you've seen that work? Well, I love what you said about red flags, because I do think when you do see that red flag, that actually sets the tone as to how the company operates, right? I remember a couple of years ago, I applied for a job and I was already kind of hesitant because it was going to be a 45 to 60 minute commute. And I was like, okay, I see some positivity here. I'm going to go for it. Schedule the interview. 
and for whatever reason, the interview was canceled on the last minute. And they said they'll get back to me in two days. Well, three days went by, I didn't hear from them. I followed up, no response. And then a week later, it was like, oh, we're no longer fulfilling the role. And it was just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what just happened, right? But I think with that communication, would have set the tone on how they're functioning internally as an organization. Like, you would like to think it would be better because of proximity of relationship, but not necessarily, right? And we underestimate the fact, because now if I have another friend, it's like, oh, I'm going to interview with XYZ. And I'm like, I don't know, because this is my experience with them. Lots of times we think of word of mouth just for marketing, buying and selling, but it goes, it goes for everything, right? So be mindful of those red flags. It does set the tone um, and also speak up for yourself. And don't be afraid to turn down a job during the interview process if necessary. But if you don't have a job, it feels it's very hard to do that. Um, you know, again, American culture that we mentioned earlier, you might consider taking the job and, you know, something better comes along. You go there. That is, I don't think some people try to claim that's a bad um, I'm not so sure it is. You have to kind of look out for yourself. Um, very, very interesting discussion. The last minute here or so, Michelle, tell us, how do people connect with you? How do they reach out to you? When should they reach out to you? What can they <laughs> hire you for and that kind of thing? Yeah, so Michelle Gomez across the board on all social media platforms. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I, once again, I like to help organizations and marketing teams develop an inclusive marketing strategy, whether it's from candidates to company engagement, consumers, community awareness, uh, content and communications. I have a five-point framework that I help my clients with, and I do that through consulting as well as training. So I'm available. I'm easy to find, and I try to communicate pretty quickly, so don't hesitate to reach out. She is easy to connect with, and it looks like the African-American Marketing Association has now been around for three years, celebrating three years. Yes. So congratulations on that milestone. Thanks again for Thank joining you. me. Thanks for your insights. Always good to catch up with you. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.